Welcome back to the BK Football. We're back in our podcasting, I'll call it a studio. It's kind of more of an office. I'm Kate Sweeney. I'm the Public Services Manager, and I'm here with our patron, Ryan Bear. We're so happy to have you back. Thanks for having me again. And we have a special edition this month for June Pride Month. We wanted to talk exclusively LBGTQ reads, and we have a lot of really good ones in the collection, and actually so many we had to kind of prune down the list to just something manageable for the few minutes that we have here. So um, I'm going to let Ryan start off with something she has from the children's section. All right. So my first good read in LGBTQ for Pride Month is The Best Man by Richard Peck. And for those of you with children or um, if you've been reading Richard Peck's books for years, uh, this book is really awesome because it's reflective sort of of how, um, how his literature kind of transcends time. And he adapts and is writing more literature that's reflective of, of, of like, current time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been around since, I think, um, the 70s is when he oh, started wow. writing some. And he's also won the Newbery Medal, which, as you know, uh, is Big very deal. prestigious. <laughs> yes. Um, so Best Man is, um, it's written from the perspective of, I believe Archer is about um, 10 years old. So I think he's in fifth grade. And uh, he has, like, his dad is really funny. He has a, the grandpa is a great character in the book. And he has this Uncle Paul, and Uncle Paul is gay. And uh, he has a really awesome, there's a student teacher that comes into the elementary school that he's at. And, um, and so it's kind of like, the book is about puberty and middle school. And they come to find out, they discover that this, Teacher, Mr. McLeod, is former military, but he's also gay. And oh, so, wow. uh, yeah, so it's, so many themes there. It's yeah. really interesting. That's one of the things that I enjoyed so much about the selections that I read was that it wasn't like we talked about last time. These books are written for um, for all kids. So it's not just uh, it, they're not just pigeonholing one type of character. Mm-hmm. What's really beautiful about it is that I think readers from all backgrounds are going to find a character that they can identify with. I know for me in this book, um, when I was in high school, one of my favorite coaches, we found out that, um, that she was a lesbian and, Mm -hmm. and there were some people that were a little uneasy about it just because it was like mid nineties. And so you're still kind of like, um, or where I grew up, it was not necessarily, I don't know, like op- being out and oh, open yeah, it was, was completely different. Right. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that my dad said was, does that change the, like, it doesn't change the type of person that she is. Do you still think she's a good coach and a good woman? Uh-huh. I was like, absolutely. I learned so much from her. Uh-huh. And so that was kind of my first experience with an educator um, mm-hmm. who at the time wasn't maybe in a traditional sort of relationship mm-hmm. and um and she still probably has had the most impact on me and so that's kind of oh, what wow. I what I took from this book was that um that Mr. McLeod um he there are some twists and turns in the book and and there's some bullying that happens and um and he sort of rises above and really teaches um, the students a lesson and so there's humor and there are some parts that will probably make you tear up a little bit mm-hmm. if you're a if you're an adult reading the book mm-hmm. but I I felt like it was really powerful uh-huh. and um, the impact that that a teacher has on a student's life mm-hmm. um, in a really positive and beautiful way so if you're looking for something in JF that um, that's 
that's great for all ages, really. I think The Best Man was a good selection. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of different entry points into that book. Like, I know as a librarian, I'm always trying to think of how, what reader would this appeal to? And I could think of lots of different, based on, you know, how, I haven't read this book yet, but now it's on my list. Um, but, you know, you're always wondering, how can this kid get into this book? You know, um, if humor's in there, or some kids want the feels, or, you know, if they have um, a family member that they're kind of processing different things with. So that's great. Um, it's interesting when you said it was by Richard Peck. Um, I mean, I've read his historical fiction is I read his, um, civil war book, um, the river between us. And there were some, definitely some modern twists, um, at the end of the book, but it's just, this is such a different read. It sounds like. So that's, that's really interesting about that author. And that's also, if you root for the underdog there, they are Cubs fans in this book. So, um, but it's set sort of in the suburbs of Kind of Chicago area. Oh, cool. So yeah. They're diehard Cub fan. Oh, how fun. <laughs> Setting can be so fun that way. All right. So another book that um, I brought in is also from the children's section, and it's called George by Alex Gino. And it's a book about a transgender girl. George um, is a lead character of the book. George was born a boy, but she knows she's a girl. And um, luckily, George has a really good friend named Kelly. Um, which is just the saving grace because this is a really difficult process. Um, George is in fourth grade, so that's a lot to go through during that time. Although I think she's known for, she's known before the book starts. She was, so when the book opens, she already knows this about herself, but um, she hasn't talked to anybody about it, which is a lot to be holding in, especially at that age. I think at any age it would be, but um, anyway, what's really interesting, um, Gino uses um, the this production that they're doing in the school, um, they're doing a play of Charlotte's Web, and George is practicing so hard because she wants to be um, Charlotte in the play. And um, I think you kind of get the idea that she's using that as a way to kind of start opening up about um, who she is. And and she practices so hard that even her friend Kelly um, doesn't know, or is just like, oh my gosh, you would be such a great Charlotte. And what's interesting about it is it starts to make you think about, um, well, why can't she be Charlotte? Even if, even if she wasn't transgender, you know, even if, um, George identified as a, um, as a boy, like if she's the best Charlotte, then why can't she be Charlotte? And it was just a really, to me, it was just a really gentle vehicle to, um, discuss this topic with an age group that, um, I mean, I think this topic's complex no matter what age you're at, but it was a way to talk about it. And I'm always looking for that as a vehicle because a lot of times when parents are going through a lot, I recently fielded a question on the floor where a parent was, um, you know, talking about how their um, child had just come out, you know, with this sort of gender fluidity. And um, I actually recommended this book, even though her child was a teenager, because I thought maybe you guys can start discussing um, because there's something um, that you can talk about that's secondary, that's not necessarily about um, specifically where you're at. and. Um, Anyway, so I I really appreciated this book for a lot of reasons because it's a good go-to as a librarian to have to talk to other patrons, but I also just appreciate it as a reader. I just thought it was a really sweet story, and it explores more than just gender identity. It explores just um, why do we have these sort of um, specific conforming things that we're saying, no, 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 it has to be this way. Like, why? You know, why does it have to be this way? So... Um, anyway, and I was just so grateful for Kelly, the friend, because, um, yeah, George really needed Kelly as a friend. So, um, I don't want to spoil too much about how it, um, resolves or, you know, what kind of 
um, transpires over the course of the novel, but it'll give you some good feelings along the way. It's funny that, <clears throat> excuse me, that George mm -hmm. has the theater setting in the book because Gracefully Grayson by Amy Polonsky was my next J.F. read. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how uh, Grayson Sender is uh, born a boy, mm -hmm. uh, but identifies or is trying to, uh, he knows that he was born um, to um, to live as a girl mm -hmm. or to um, to become to become a girl mm -hmm. and um so this book it talks about um I think some of the themes it explores that Grayson is worried um about facing ridicule scorn or rejection for for living as the person that he believes that he was born to be which is a female mm -hmm. and so I'll switch over to the pronoun she because Grayson um Grayson lost her family, mm -hmm. uh, her parents, in an accident. I don't want to reveal too much because mm -hmm. kind of towards the end, there's like this aha moment. But Grayson auditions for the school play. Her favorite English teacher is the one directing the play. Mm -hmm. And she she's very nervous, stage fright, but she wants to audition for the lead role, which is a female. Mm -hmm. And uh, the family who's raising Grayson, they're... It's, I believe it's her father's brother, so her uncle, and the aunt isn't really comfortable with her having the lead role as a female in the school play. In middle school, she's worried that she's going to uh, cause problems for her cousins, and, and it does. It stirs up some drama, um, but she, Grayson gets accepted by the theater community, lots of creative and open-minded individuals the teacher really encourages her to just be the person that she is there's some really beautiful but sad and heartbreaking moments in the book and it's it's not um one of the things that I discovered in reading my selections this month is that these aren't um these aren't themes that are specific to LGBTQ fiction absolutely it's, that's what's so interesting it transcends it like I could see myself in these books trying to trying to become someone that I wasn't in order to fit in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found um, in Gracefully Grayson for, for some time. The main character was trying to be who her family wanted her, her aunt and uncle wanted her to be. And um, when she gets accepted by, uh, by the open-minded and creative individuals in the theater um, at her school, just in that project, um, she really blossoms and, and feels comfortable and mm -hmm. makes the friend who's a little bit older and, um, and the friend's mom is the costume designer. And so she just really helps the, this, um, the person that she was meant to be just flourish and, and bloom essentially. And mm -hmm. that, um, I had some happy crying moments, but, um, the kind of the flashbacks to Grayson's family before they, um, before they died. I ugly cried, so if you're a parent reading this book, <laughs> make sure you have tissue. But but that's what one of the things that's really cool about the book is that it also discusses identity and self-esteem and friendship, which I think at any age are really important topics to discuss with your children so that they're open-minded and they're not just looking at an individual and thinking, like, there's there's only this part of you that I know or that I can see because there are so many different layers to us. And, so and they evolve over time too. Absolutely. Yeah. And so to to have um, relationships that help you become the person that you were meant to become, and to have people accept you 
regardless of whether you were born male or female, or mm-hmm. you have two moms or two dads, or you come from a traditional background. Um, I think that it's really about um, th- this book, how resilient children can be, but also acceptance and how important it is that we teach it from an early age. Well, and just the concept, it sounds like, you know, that this um, character finds her people and, you know, people to support her. I mean, whether or not you're straight or gay, you know, like it doesn't matter. You're at that age, you're trying to find your people. And sometimes it even comes in. And even though I don't have any books on this topic specifically, I feel like there's been more books about maybe not even necessarily um, LBGTQ characters, but more just characters in a novel that are um, interested in something that's non-traditional for their gender. And so, um, but people are supporting them and wanting to do something that's different. You know, maybe they're um, interested in a sport that girls don't normally do that sport or guys don't normally enjoy this type of thing. And it's, so I feel like there's just more conversations about that type of thing. And it's, I think it's really good for that particular age group. Um, But I also think us as adults need that too. And that's why I like to read children's and young adult fiction. Um, And it's interesting that you bring up you know, also just the the idea that, you know, it's not specifically just about gender identity. Um, this book that I'm about to talk about, um, Every Day by De- David Levithan, this came out quite a few years ago, but it's it's really stuck with me. Um, David Levithan does a lot of LBGTQ specific books, um, but this book is not necessarily, um, I feel like, about that um, on the nose. It's about, it's a very unusual plot. It almost seems a little... I don't know if you'd call it fantasy or what, but it's about um, this character named A. And A is never, it's not clear whether A is male or female. It's really not even relevant because A is born into a different body every day and lives that person's life for a full day. And then A A goes to sleep and A wakes up as a different person the next day. So it's basically like the whole world is operating completely normal. But there's this, um, I mean, I don't know, it almost sounds like a Star Trek character that just morphs into it. But there's nothing fantastical or science fiction beyond that. And you don't really know why that's the case. Um, It's not really important. But what's so great about this um, storyline is that one day A wakes up um, in this um, teen young man's body. um, And um, this particular person that he's woken up as, I'm going to call him he in this case, because he's a he that day. Um, So A wakes up and um, falls in love with this boy's girlfriend. And then when A wakes up the next day, um, A is a girl and wants to figure out where this other girl is. And eventually they do kind of meet up. And that's kind of the storyline is them, I guess, dating um, in these kind of bizarre circumstances. But what was so cool about it is, you know, every day, A wakes up physically and genetically just a completely different person, but um, it really starts exploring, um, you know, what what does it mean to love a person? You know, if they were were to wake up in a different body, would you still love that person? Because they are still who they are. I mean, A has a personality, A has a soul, you feel like. And, um, but it was such, to me, that was such a cool exploration of gender identity and it actually really helps me better understand this sense of fluidity that we talk about more often and um anyway it was just a really unusual storyline if you can kind of suspend disbelief about you know the unusual nature of the story um 
So I don't want to say too much about it, but it, it is a love story, but it's also um, a story about um, gender identity in a way that I've never seen explored before. So I would rec I recommend this to a lot of readers for a lot of different reasons. But And if you're... If you have a reader or a young adult who who is kind of exploring their gender fluidity, another great read is Symptoms of Being Human by Jeff Garvin. Um, for a first-time book from the former lead singer in a rock band, um, oh, cool. this book was really fantastic. Um, the lead character's name is Riley Kavanaugh. I have to get this out of the way at for the very first thing. Um, don't go into this book expecting to find out the the gender that the that Riley was born as because you never find out biologically um, if Riley was born male or female uh, because Riley is gender fluid and some days Riley will wake up identifying as a boy and on those days he will dress as a boy and other days when uh, when Riley wakes up she wakes up as a girl and so her wardrobe reflects that as well uh, as well as emotions and um and so it's it's really interesting because Riley's starting at a new school. She has a very conservative family. Her dad's a congressman. And so what her parents are, Riley, as, um, as a female, what her parents request of her is to wear dresses to, um, like, um, campaigning or any sort of event. So they're asking Riley to be something or someone um, that, um, that they aren't. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's actually one of the things that I had to study a little bit about was usage of pronouns. And I know Kate, that you're going to talk about that a little yeah. bit later. Um, but one of the things that in, in the book, Riley sees a therapist and the therapist recommends writing an anonymous blog so that Riley can just kind of put feelings on, on paper and Riley gets a, an enormous following online it doesn't start out as much and then it kind of blows up because someone that um, is well known in, in the LGBTQ community starts following and um, and as a result, um, even though Riley is just trying to get settled in school, um, there's a little bit of kind of a developing, um, a budding romance in the, in the book as well, um, but the blog goes viral and so it, it oh, kind yeah. of threatens to um, someone unnamed an unnamed commenter um finds out riley's real identity and threatens to kind of expose um riley and so riley kind of um finds themselves in in a place where they're not sure like do i walk away from um the lives that this is impacting because it's interesting seeing some of the comments from the the people who have read the blog um just like in, in positive ways, like I saw myself in, in your writing and, and whatnot. So Riley makes new friends. Um, like the book also discusses a little bit of mental health, um, panic attacks and that sort of thing. Um, but I really like this book was, um, I could see in this book other young adults that I went to high school with and it made my heart hurt for maybe not understanding at the time what they were going through. And so I think that's something that's really beautiful about this book is that even if you don't in your family have someone close to you, at least your what you're doing is exposing yourself to literature about people who maybe aren't like you, but help you become a little bit more compassionate Absolutely. about what they're going through. And and it's not to say that um that their lives are so completely different 
then what you might be struggling with is just a different struggle. Um, and the struggle is more about identity and self-esteem, but those are kind of recurring themes when you're in high school and trying to figure oh, out totally. like, who am, who am I and what am I going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. Um, it's no different. It's just that some of these young adults have the added stress of, well, society thinks that I'm this person when this is who I really am. And, um, and so it, it, this book made my heart hurt but it also made me hopeful um that we can raise humans who are more open-minded about not making assumptions that's awesome i love the title of that too symptoms of being human um so the next book i'm going to talk about is um not exclusively an lbgtq book again um winger by andrew smith which is a great book for so many reasons um and it's about a 14-year-old named Ryan Dean. Um, he goes to this rich kid boarding school, the settings of Pacific Northwest. And, you know, there's there's a lot of humor in it. Some of it's kind of boys will be boys type hazing type stuff. Um, and but mostly it's, um, you know, the part of what pulled me in about this book is his um, narrative, like his voice um, telling the story is just I mean, he's kind of like a Holden Caulfield, um, a little less cynical, but definitely as um I don't know the, just the way he thinks just is definitely channeling the Holden Caulfield of um Catcher in the Rye um there's hand-drawn graphics throughout so there's a lot of interest there because it just makes the plot funnier and just how he's processing the things around him and it read a lot like a John Green book but also um it kind of reminded me of I'm um, looking for Alaska that was set at a prep school as well but it also kind of reminded me of Sherman Alexi because there's sort of this mix of it's so hilarious at one moment and then just heartbreaking at the next, which I actually love. It's almost like sweet and salt, you know, like you taste the sweet because you get this salty part. You kind of keep experiencing this back and forth of the storyline. And um, and really, you know, um, Ryan Dean is um, not gay. He's straight. Um, he actually has his crush on this girl. And um, that is a big focal point of the novel. Um, but um, there is a gay character that's a mutual friend um, that's in it. And I actually can't say too much about the role that this um, gay character plays um, because I don't want to give away a big part of the novel. But I felt like a big theme comes up towards the end um, that's very pivotal in the story involving this gay character. And there's this dynamite quote that I don't want to read verbatim because, again, I don't want to give too much away. And um, there's some expletives in it. There's a lot of expletives in the book throughout. And I don't want to have to mark this explicit as a podcast. But basically, um, the gist of it is sort of like, um, people think so, people can get to know you as a person, but then this one particular aspect of you, um, they figure out, you know, maybe being gay, being that aspect, and that's all they see after that. And um, kind of the criticism of that. Um, so you get labeled. Yeah, exactly. You totally get labeled. And that's like, and he talks about how it's almost like the thing that just shouts to people when they see you. Um, it's like they, even if they had this um, friendship with you before or whatever. And um, that was such a powerful message from the book. And it's even more powerful the way he says it and the storyline that gets to that point. But um, regardless, I mean, and the book is just, like I said, it's great for a lot of reasons, but that was why I remember the book. I probably wouldn't remember a lot of things specifically, but that really just did a number on my heart and soul. Um, anyway, so I just really appreciate it. And he's, he's a great author just to follow in general. He's very popular. And the, the cover of this book is just so iconic. It's this kid in like, kind of like disheveled prep 
school stuff his ties all messed up and he's got a nosebleed with a tissue sticking out of his nose I mean it's kind of just this iconic cover and I know that when I saw Andrew Smith um speak at the Texas Teen Book Festival a couple years back there were kids that were dressed like Ryan Dean that were waiting in his signing line which I'm sure he loved with the tissue with the nosebleed I don't think they had the tissue but (laughs) that would have been really committed but um anyway so that was that's a great read that I would recommend um to many um so yeah my my second young adult selection is called Georgia Peaches and Other Forbidden Fruit. Um, that is it. Won Kirkus Best Book of the Year. Oh wow! I love my Kirkus, Kirkus is reviews. Choosy. Yeah, they're a choosy group, <laughs> and um, I love the reviews because they're a little bit snarky. Oh, they're they tell it like it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but this book is about a a teenage girl, and her dad remarries for the third time. He's an evan. He's excuse me, an evangelical preacher and he has a radio show and uh, they live in Atlanta but when he remarries they're moving up to a a more conservative like a small town in North Georgia very conservative so he asks her for her senior year to go back into the closet and uh, so kind of one of the themes in all the books that I read was can you be someone else so that we can be more comfortable with ourselves and um, she agrees to do it because one of the things that she wants to get out of it is, well, actually two things. She wants to go on kind of a post-senior year trip with her best friend. And she also wants to have her own radio show. Um, the radio show that she wants to be promoting with her dad is um, kind of helps teens like her who are gay. and um, But not just gay teens. She wants it for all teens who maybe don't feel like they fit in. But who also their their faith um, also matters to them, and so that was one of the coolest things about this book is that I don't think you need to be one without like absolutely like you yeah. don't have to abandon theme. your relationship with God just because. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was something that I thought was really cool in this book. Um, so, and unusual. I don't know if that topic is. I mean, I often don't see that those two together. Yeah. You know, and, that's great. That's refreshing. Considering she's from a Southern, like Southern Baptist. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting. So when she moves to this, um, this smaller community, she lets her stepmom kind of transform her into this, um, kind of a stereotypical teenage girl, very, um, that she lets her take her on shopping trips. And so she becomes, Joanna becomes someone else. And, um, but in the process, some friends that she makes at the school are also seemingly very conservative, but she meets um, a, a girl, Mary Carlson, who's the sister of one of the friends that she makes at the school. And um, I, I won't go into too much detail without giving things away, but suffice it to say that um, Joanna doesn't want to break the promise to her dad, um, but she also has like these conflicting feelings about. I'm not comfortable becoming someone that I'm not just to make other people feel comfortable with who I am. And the, the people who objected the most were her new stepmom's mother. So her step-grandmother, her step-grandfather loves her just the way she is. Like it's just so the way she is. When there's a character that can yes. make things okay. And their interactions are like, they're so awesome. And he's a great step-grandpa and, um, and he makes sure that she knows that she, that he loves her regardless. And so, um, I think that's one of the, there were really encouraging moments in the book 
um, kind of towards the end. It's, it's really cool. Like all of the friends that she's made kind of come together. There are one of her new friends, uh, another friend that she makes at the school. He, he has two moms, mm-hmm. um, but he's always been ostracized for having two moms. And mm-hmm. so it's just, um, the book is really uplifting and encouraging. There's a little bit of romance. Um, it's not, you know, like it's not racy romance. So it, it's something that I would, um, feel comfortable like recommending to, you know, sophomore, junior, senior in high school. Uh, but it's really, it's well-written and, um, you can see how conflicted Joanna is with wanting to do the right thing um, for herself, but also um, help her dad kind of adjust to his uh, his new community. And, um, and she's really like, she's someone who sticks to her word or is trying to stick to her word and, um, despite the temptations of other people. And mm-hmm. so that's, um, I think that that's, there's something to be said for a teenager who um, who says one thing and does that, that thing that they say that they're going to do. Um, and I think that's true of all of us. Oh, absolutely. Um, is following through on our word. Um, because I, I think a lot of times we say one thing and then do another. So I think it's important to have characters in books that we can look to and, um, and respect them for, for sticking to their guns. Mm-hmm lot a lot to identify with there um so the next book i have is actually a young adult nonfiction. um it's called beyond magenta transgender teens speak out and it's by author susan Ucklin, i think um is her last name and um apparently she's um she did the photographs and the text in this book and apparently she's done some stuff with um ballerina and you know some really cool photographs and stuff um on a completely different topic but um, this is, it has a very striking cover of a teen on the front in this, um, pink shirt with a bow tie and a rainbow belt. So just a lot of ambiguity. Um, but just this sort of vibrancy that you see like right on the cover, it's just a very welcoming looking book. And, um, anyway, what I love about this book, and I haven't read it cover to cover, I've more just, um, read sections of it, but every chapter is a different teen and kind of, um, kind of like an interview slash almost like a blog entry from the teen. Um, in print about um, how they identify on um, this very fluid spectrum that we've been talking about Um, and how they came to decide um, what gender they are or um, if they're fluid, you know, um, what that means to them and um, the process they, you know, are up to that point and the process that they're still going through socially, um, internally, and all these different things. And What I really liked about the book, it came out at a time where I was starting to become more aware of transgender um, teens that I was working with in um, the library I was at. I was working um, exclusively as a teen librarian in Colorado at the time. And it was great because they started having that discussion on pronouns, because it is really difficult to know um, how this person wants you to refer to them. And you want to be respectful, but it can be confusing. It can be complicated. And what was interesting in the book was it wasn't like there was a chapter that was like, this is how you refer to um, a transgender person, but it was more like, ask them, because they may have different opinions about it. Um, And they did different chapters, there were different teens that felt differently. And um, some of them, you know, it was sort of like, um, 
that, you know, one day I feel like this and another day I feel like that. So you may have to ask me every day, which, you know, is um, a lot to, you know, try and keep up with. But um, out of respect and just wanting to understand, um, it's really just nice to know that it's as simple as just asking, like, um, and that that was the resounding um, takeaway that I took from um, the stuff I read from there is that that's completely acceptable. And um, some of them wanted to be referred in the plural, and some of them wanted to be referred um, to she some days and he other days. And I don't know, it was just a really nice takeaway to realize that um, you can just have a really frank discussion and um, know, know exactly what to do from there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very um, kind of captivating book, because again, the photographs are really um, unique and um, kind of, I guess, I just keep thinking of the word vibrant. They just have this sort of energy to them that's really makes you kind of smile and also want to know more. So um, anyway, that was, that's a really unusual book that um, I'd recommend that we have in the collection. My last young adult book is called Highly Illogical Behavior, and um, I think we discussed some other books by the author after the last podcast, but this book um, explores a few different things. Um, so I think primarily the main, um, like the main theme it explores is mental health. Um, the main character, Solomon, he's 16 years old and he's agoraphobic. So he hasn't left his house in three years. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, the other main character, her name is Lisa, and she desperately wants to go to it's the second best psychology program for college in the nation. And she wants to prove that she deserves a spot there. And so there's a scholarship that she's trying to get. And so she kind of goes about um, finding Solomon in kind of a sneaky way. Like she becomes, she went to school with him. In middle school and she finds his mom who is a dentist and becomes a patient of the mom and um and writes a letter to solomon and and becomes his friend kind of under the guise of oh you like you're lonely you don't have any friends and then as their friendship um blossoms she really discovered like he's really not any different and um like from a mental health perspective it's just that he hasn't left his house and so um, he has panic attacks in the house and she kind of, because of her background and wanting to become a psychologist, she kind of uses him as a test subject. So in some oh, wow. ways, it totally reminded me of, um, she's all that a little bit like oh the nineties movie. Yeah. And then also, um, there were some eighties movies. I feel like that the main character kind of, um, like if it was set in a high school, like they would try and help someone become um, kind of the belle of the ball instead of um, like the frumpy girl next door. Uh -huh. um, but so Lisa is trying to kind of fix Saul and their friendship as it develops, he becomes comfortable enough um, with her that he comes out and, um, and then he comes out to his parents. Um, so this book you know, like I said, it explores mental health. There's a little bit of the LGBTQ, um, like that, um, in the book. Um, but mostly in my, my perception of the book was that it explores lots of themes that are common in young adult fiction, um, coming of age, um, kind of hiding your true self from the world. 
And we met, we talked about that earlier, where it's not necessarily a question of your gender or um, your like who you choose to love. It's it's more like it's a need for connection. Um, and um, so I just like this book was really beautiful in a lot of different ways. It's a really quick read. Um, I think I read it in about a day, and it was more because I was interested. Lisa has a boyfriend who plays a, a bit part in the book and he and Solomon kind of become friends. And for a while, Lisa is suspicious then all of a sudden that her boyfriend is also gay. And Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So that it's like kind of becomes a little bit of a, it's, an imagined love triangle uh-huh. on, on her part. Um, but, um, uh, the book is described as being perfect for readers like Matthew Quick and Rainbow Rowell. Oh, wow. Um, both of which I, I have enjoyed, um, reading their books, especially Rainbow Rowell. Oh, yeah, she's, um, she's lovely. Yes, but um, so I don't know that there's so much, like, they also describe this book as being tragic, and I don't think it's tragic. I think it's hopeful because they, um, Lisa and her boyfriend Clark, really help Solomon kind of venture out and do things that are scary to him, like even getting outside of his house. And um, so I don't want to share some of the really cool things. That oh, yeah, in yeah. The book. Yeah, you gotta um, leave a good bit. I absolutely recommend this one, um, especially if you have a teenager, maybe who um, who has any sort of anxiety or panic attacks, that they, like, hey, there's a character that's written for you, or someone who has a friend um, who's maybe struggling a little bit. But um, there, one of the great things about the books that we've talked about today, I feel like there's a character in each of these that, that your reader can identify with whether they're juvenile fiction age, like all the way through adult. So it's really, you know, it's cool. That's awesome. Um, I love John Corey. I I read his, um, things come back when it came out. Um, and just, I like his writing style and I felt like he had really good narrative voices and dialogue, which that keeps me reading. Even if the book is not um, a page turner that turns into a page turner for me so I love his style the voices are realistic in this book it's mm-hmm. not like and that's kind of the, the thing that I enjoyed about these books and why I read them so quickly mm-hmm. is because it's like you're talking to teenagers it's not yeah. like you're talking to like an a like a teenager who really sounds like an adult yeah or, or vice versa so you're like who are you really writing for yourself or as a team yes like, and then like, there's a whole new realm of identity because you're <laughs> yeah yeah it's like wait this <laughs> is what is this author doing <laughs> um so the last book I actually um I'm going to talk about I haven't actually read um but it's by you know Texas's beloved Julie Murphy it's her new book that came out Ramona Blue and man she just nails I mean I know that she probably doesn't um maybe have a ton of say in her book covers, but her book covers just turn out really great. Like Dumpling is like the iconic, you know, like people do the pose, the Dumpling pose from the, um, from that book. And that, that book, um, explores identity as well in a completely different way. But, um, this book has this really beautiful blue cover and like the water is like starting to cover up part of the title. And it's this girl that's kind of submerged in water sinking to the bottom. And, um, it just is really kind of hypnotic and, Anyway, um, as a swimmer, I'm immediately drawn into the water aspect, but, um, and I eat with my eyes. So, oh yeah. So I almost reserved the book just based on the cover alone. Oh which, yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. It just <laughs> looks so captivating. You're like, tell me more. Um, but anyway, um, I've read a couple of reviews from friends that have received arcs and apparently it, it's living up to the hype. Um, so the girl at the very beginning of the book, apparently, you know, that she's, she's a lesbian that she's gay and um she goes to work for 
um, I think she goes to work as like a lifeguard or something at a pool. And she starts to develop this relationship with a guy. And it starts to evolve in a way that makes her wonder, you know, where she is. Because she's always, not always, but she's identified as a lesbian for so long um, that, that this is starting to um, bring up a lot of questions for her. And um, one of the taglines from the book is, life and love are more fluid than they seem. And I just think that it's just so, um, you know, you just want to know more. You just want to read. So um, that's definitely on my to-read list, and it's brand new to the collection. And um, furthermore, this is not really about um, her, right? But her, but Julie Murphy's Instagram is, like, so great. So if you like this cover and you just like really... Um, you know, beautiful photos. Like she'll just have like this photo of her hand, like holding a jar of jelly beans when her nails are all done or, you know, just different things. She just has a lot of personality and just has a lot of visual appeal. She wears very like colorful dresses with really cool prints on them. And, um, you know, just has really cool, um, perspective. I feel like as she, you know, just in her day to day things that she does. So anyway, a very interesting author. So we're always excited to see new stuff from her in the collection. And, um, Anyway, so I guess that's a wrap for today for um, our Pride Reads for June. Um, and thank you so much for coming, Ryan. Thanks for having, having me you. back. I love talking books with y'all. <laughs> um, so we feel like it's such a privilege to always have you in the library, but we want to share some of our conversations with the public. So thanks for um, coming and recording. And um, we'll see you all next time. Happy Book Day, y'all. The BK Book Hall is part of the BK Public Library's podcast channel. It is produced and edited by Megan Fisher. Thanks to the friends of the BK Public Library for the donation of our podcast equipment. For more information, go to www.bktexas.com. Please feel free to email us or leave any comments and suggestions below. We'd love to hear from you.